Welcome to the First Church Message of the Week podcast. Thanks for listening in. As we reflect on Thomas and the way his doubts reflect our own questions and desires, we are reminded of the gift of believing without seeing. Today, we celebrate God's unending invitation to offer our whole selves to God as we live into hope in the risen one, who offers us assurance of a life and faith in him that can overcome all things, even death. In this week's message of the week, Pastor Jen Tyler shares from John chapter 20 and challenges us to put our whole selves in. Here is the First Church message of the week. Let's pray together. Gracious and loving God, as we continue in this time of worship, seeking to honor you and to be fully present, we ask that you would open our eyes that we can see you more clearly, our hearts that we might love you more deeply, and our ears that we might hear your voice more clearly in our midst. Help us, O oh God, in this time to rid ourselves of any and all distractions so that all that we see and hear and know and feel and speak are of you. Amen. So today, as we continue in the season of Easter, which is the 50 days after we get to celebrate our resurrected Savior on Easter Sunday, we are going to continue with a story about the about Jesus encountering the disciples on that first day and week after he has been resurrected. And so the Gospel of John in the 20th chapter, verses 19 through 31, tells us that when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them, the disciples, and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Then Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told them, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, Jesus' disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? 
Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, you may have life in his name. Here ends our scripture reading today. A few years ago, I heard a sermon by one of our United Methodist bishops that has stuck with me over the years. She shared in this sermon about how she was riding on a train in public transportation trying to get from point A to point B like any other day you might do, when quietly as she minded her own business with her ear pods in, she sat there silently trying to listen through her headphones to her daily devotion, trying to ignore whatever was happening on the train around her. But the words coming through her headphones, well, they were having a hard time speaking to her heart because it was hard to quiet out the stuff around her. Because, as she confessed, it was particularly difficult because every time she started to find her concentration, she would hear music coming from the passenger next to her. And she could hear it clear as day, as if coming from her own headphones, as she heard the music repeat, da-da-da-da-da. And it's not that it's just that kind of like, oh, their headphones must be too loud and it's there. It was blaring. Literally, this passenger committed that number one public sin, right? They had a boombox and were blaring it loudly. The whole train could hear their music as it blared forth. Da, 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 da. And she kept trying to settle in, focus on the prayerful words in her own headphones. And every time she would get recentered, she'd hear the music again. Da, 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 da. And the cycle kept repeating itself until finally she recognized this tune that had been on repeat in the train car. Put your right hand in, put your right hand out, right? So she's sitting there trying to pray and hearing the hokey pokey. Now, I don't know about you, but that isn't the kind of music I think of as being centering when I'm trying to have a moment of solitude or prayer. And yet there she was confronted with this music. Now enter if you will, our scripture reading today, where we have a story about Thomas. Poor Thomas, I think he gets a bad rap, right? He asks a lot of questions, sure, and yes, in this story, he wants to be present with and touch Jesus, just as the other disciples had been invited to do. Quite literally, in this story, we know that Thomas wanted to take and put his right hand in you're welcome. I hope you never hear this song the same again, right? But seriously, I love Thomas, and I love the way he is a man after not just my heart, but I'm guessing your heart too, right? Because I imagine we've all had those moments, those moments of doubt, those moments of uncertainty, a time when we have wanted to ask questions that maybe seem a little beyond our reach. Maybe you have had questions about things that seemed impossible. Questions to help us understand that which once seemed unrealistic as we try to wrap our heads around a difficult new reality. 
Maybe we have questions about what our desired reality is and how we can get back to that space. I recently and probably throughout my life as a pastor, one of the most common conversations that I get to have with people is about prayer and how we listen for the voice of God in our midst. Now, we know that God speaks to us in different ways. God speaks to us when we were in silent prayer. God speaks to us through people around us. I know that once in a while, and I've gotten to hear many of your stories, that God speaks to us in those tangible ways too. A hand on your shoulder or a literal voice that we get to hear. I've not had that experience, but I do believe that God speaks to people in those ways today, even as God did in the Old and the New Testaments. But God hasn't done that for me, not tangibly. And sometimes in those moments of discernment or concern or when we are particularly feeling heavy about something, we long for that, don't we? For clear answers or a burning bush where God says, here is exactly what I want for you and your life. I think Jesus would encourage our longing or our questions or our wondering or our desire for, to encounter God in more tangible ways like this. After all, we know that throughout his ministry and his time with his disciples, Jesus was pretty good about helping the disciples to understand his life and his ministry and its importance. Jesus was really good, too, at helping the disciples ask questions and to wonder about God. One of the things I most appreciate, maybe you've heard me say this before, one of the things I most appreciate about Jesus and the ways that he taught is that the more he's asked questions, the more he answers those questions with questions, right? Jesus does not very often give direct answers to his questions. Instead, he encourages his followers to think deeply for ourselves, to ask more questions. And as has proven true in my life, Jesus wanted his disciples, and I would argue all of us who seek to follow him, to know, to believe, and to understand that good questions will not always bring good, clear, concrete answers much that we want them to, but instead they often bring more questions, don't they? In fact, that's why the more we seem to know about our lives or the world around us, the more we wonder about or have questions about it, don't we? And the more we wonder, the more we open ourselves to seeing the world in a new way. Perhaps, hopefully, even in the way of Jesus. Because the way of Jesus is unlike anything else the world has ever seen or known. And in large part, that is what the writer of the Gospel of John wants us to know. I mean, he literally tells us that in the final verses of this chapter, near the end of John's recordings of the life of Jesus, he says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, but they are written so that we may come to believe. Jesus did many signs. Thomas got to be a firsthand witness to those signs. Thomas was used to having Jesus right there physically by his side, showing him the way, teaching him through example. 
and inviting him to learn by doing and by thinking and by asking and by being present. Thomas was used to Jesus physically being there to help him to believe. And in turn, the stories that have now been shared with us help us also to believe this great truth that the world knows about the life and the love and the presence of Jesus. And it makes me wonder what things in your life have helped you to believe. What things in your life have helped you to believe? Certainly, that physical gift of Jesus by his side is part of what helped Thomas to believe, almost to his fame detriment, right? Because Thomas, you know, who is often called Doubting Thomas because he's unafraid to ask Jesus questions, Thomas got so used to having Jesus right there by his side to show him the way, to offer him assurance, to ask him challenging questions that would point him in the right direction. Thomas got so used to Jesus' tangible presence offering him these gifts that when he wasn't there anymore, he didn't really know what to do. And so when Jesus was no longer physically with him, but he found out that Jesus had come to visit to be physically with all of the other disciples, I imagine that Thomas's first reaction wasn't doubt or not believing Jesus is who he says he was, but probably a little heartache or pain. I imagine he was hurt and felt a little left out. Maybe he wondered why Jesus would choose to come and visit the disciples in a moment when Thomas wasn't there, as if to exclude him. Now, I don't think Jesus intentionally excluded Thomas, but it's easy to imagine how he would feel that way, isn't it? I mean, after all, we know that before that initial visit of the disciples, all of them had been together. And all of them were really actually on the same page. Speaking of doubters, the, none of the disciples, we are told, in the upper room then believed Mary when she came running to the from the tomb that first Easter Sunday. None of them believed her. The Gospels of Mark and Luke both tell us that. The disciples, though, did come to believe when they got to see for themselves, just as Thomas asked to do. And so I suppose that makes me wonder, does that make all the disciples doubters, as we often call Thomas? Or does it point to something else? Because I am inclined to believe that there's something more here. That it isn't just that the disciples doubted Jesus or what was possible or the good news that Mary had brought forth when she shared what she had seen. But maybe, even if in the back of their hearts they believed, it didn't mean that they weren't looking for that bit of assurance anyway. Assurance that Jesus, the very same Jesus who they had been learning from and traveling alongside and praying with that very same Jesus they wanted to know, was the one who showed up to them in that upper room. And the only way they could imagine knowing that with certainty was to give witness to it themselves, to see or to touch his scars. In other words, perhaps 
They wanted to see those scars themselves to be sure that in the midst of this deep tragedy of Christ's suffering and death they had witnessed, that they weren't just proclaiming the hope that they wanted to see. They were proclaiming a real hope that was and is of God. What does that kind of hope look like for you? In your own journey and life, what kind of assurance are you looking for or maybe in need of? In seeking and receiving this assurance that Jesus was indeed with them, they knew that they would be able to trust enough to follow Jesus blindly and faithfully to the places God would lead them if they could just have this one more thing. And Jesus knew that. that that's why in this account, he shows up and he invites them to see and to know and to touch. See that it is I, Jesus says in Luke 24, in the same account that is found in other gospel stories in Luke 24, Jesus says, see that it is I. He knows what their hearts need. And knowing, of course, that Jesus isn't going to be returning likely here today, this morning, in this physical place so that we too can feel and touch and know and see in the same way. Thomas, who wasn't there the first time, got to embrace this moment where he then got to see and know and believe in the same way as his other brothers in the upper room. And so as they then called upon Jesus in faith, that is when Jesus responds to them. Have you believed because you've seen me, he asks? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now, to be clear, I don't think this is meant to be a ridicule of the disciples. I don't think this is Jesus saying, oh, if only you were better and had believed without me showing up. Instead, I think this is a precursor of what Jesus knew would come for generations. How blessed are we that we can know and believe and trust in the Lord our God, in the fullness of the promises and hope he represents, even if we haven't gotten to do this ourselves. Thanks be to God that these disciples had this experience so they could have such confidence to share the gospel message for generations to come. How blessed are we as a result to get to believe without seeing and to believe not just with faith, but with courage and with trust as we depend on the telling of this scene by people like Thomas, who got to see Jesus on our behalf. How much greater must our assurance be that the risen one is the crucified one who invites us to endure not just our questions, but also our hope. For our God is a God of hope. He offers us all that has been and all that is and all that ever will be. He offers us hope that endures, hope that can take us through all things. And while we have to hope on intangible things, and we might not get to do as Thomas did and as the hokey pokey suggests and to place our right hand in and physically get to touch Jesus, we do get to physically do better than that, don't we? Because we have faith and hope 
in our risen God who offers us the assurance that a life and a faith in him, it can overcome all things, even death. And because of that, we don't just get to touch Jesus with a finger or by putting our right hand or our left foot in, right? We get to, as the song ends and tells us, put our whole selves in. Not just part of it, but our whole selves. That is our invitation here. That we would put our whole selves into all of our lives, into our faith, our community, our relationships, our recovery processes, our healing, our joy. May we put our whole selves in and know that when we do so, and when we speak aloud the truth of our experience in Christ, the world within and around us can and will never be the same. Put your whole selves in. And friends, I don't know about you, but when I think of Thomas and learning, it's so much more powerful when you get to physically do something, isn't it? And so I'm going to invite you to physically remember the presence of Jesus today. I want to invite you to stand and to maybe be willing to take a risk to do something that maybe feels a little silly, but is going to help you to remember this invitation today. So make a little space around you and sing with me because I know you know these words and I know you know these actions. Yeah, you just figured out what we're going to do, didn't you? Friends, join with me, won't you, as we live into this invitation to put our whole selves in. So put your whole selves in and put your whole selves out. Put your whole selves in and you shake it all about. You do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around. That's what it's all about. Come on, isn't that fun? I hope, yeah, you can applause that. I truly hope that in the silliness and in the actions and in the ways that we are physically present in this moment, that you will remember that truly God wants all of who you are. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for being with us and we thank you for this invitation, not just to put our whole selves in, but to know that you receive us and all of who we are, our best and our worst, our brokenness and our healed wholeness. God, thank you for the ways that you journey with us, that you promise and assure us that you are with us always and everywhere. Help us, oh God, to find hope and to trust in these, your promises. In the name of Jesus Christ, your son. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the First Church Message of the Week. To stay connected, subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Facebook. For more information like our church calendar, worship times, and upcoming events, visit our website at watertownfirst.church. This has been the First Church Message of the Week.